This is the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast, where I explain how caregivers can lovingly respond to confusing or challenging behaviors and reconnect with family members living with dementia. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes and is no substitute for medical advice or care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36. In today's episode, I'm going to respond to a message I received in my email, and the message was this. My mom lives in California, and I have to move her to my home in Delaware. She has moderate dementia, and I'm really nervous about flying, but it is the only option right now. Help. In today's podcast, I am going to be tackling the question. And to be honest, when dealing with a necessary relocation, it is best to have another pair of hands. However, it may be just you. In this podcast, I'm going to provide strategies under the assumption that you are handling the journey solo. It is best to only explain what can be absorbed. And what do I mean by this? Someone who is at the stage where they cannot be left alone, who needs help preparing meals, but can still dress and bathe themselves, that person is in the moderate stage. Your loved one at this stage may be able to comprehend that the trip is a permanent relocation. If you are in this situation, you can prepare by telling your loved one that the move is needed so that you two are, are closer. If your loved one is in the moderately severe stage, meaning they need supervision and help with bathing and dressing, you can keep your explanations even simpler. And that's where you can perhaps enter their reality, which I discuss in a uh, earlier podcast. And I often get the question, should you lie to them? I, I really hate lying to people because it just messes up your, your vibe. And if you're caught in the lie, it can really destroy the relationship, even if the person living with dementia is in the moderately severe stage. So it helps to keep it simpler and say something like, I want you to spend some time with me. I want to, or, or better yet, I want to spend some time with you in my home and go from there. One of the issues or questions I get a lot is, okay, it's going to be a pretty long airplane ride. And they are going to be asking me every 30 seconds, why are we on the plane? And what are we doing? Well, here's a little tip. Reading is an overlearned skill in the majority of people living in the U.S. This means that the ability to read and comprehend written text can remain even in the severe stage of dementia. If you suspect you will be peppered with questions throughout a long flight, write up a brief explanation about the need for the trip and the final destination. After the third or tenth, 
Where are we going? Why are we here? You can smile, point to the paper, and tell your loved one to read it. Another suggestion is to travel light. You want to ship as much as you can and pack light. You want the focus of your attention to be on your loved one. You don't need to be dealing with carry-ons like your carry-on, their carry-on, all these suitcases. You want to keep it very, very light and very simple. The next suggestion I have is select the fastest flight with the fewest connections. Keep flights as short as possible and keep connections to a minimum. Long flights exhaust everyone. Connections are stressful, especially at larger airports. I fly a lot through Atlanta and it can be a nightmare because it's just such a big place and you have to hop on the little uh, monorails and get to your, your terminal and I have this theory about flying. The shorter my layover, the longer the distance between the two terminals or between the two gates. So if I have like a 30-minute layover, I will guarantee you that my plane will fly into gate A1 and my connection is at Z500. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but not much. So that's also something to to think about. That's why direct flights really are the the best. And as I mentioned how connections are stressful, if one flight is canceled or delayed, you have the domino effect. And you don't want to be standing in line at the customer service counter with an impatient loved one who keeps wanting to walk away. That's why direct flights are the optimum choice. And I know with travel, air travel right now, that may be a challenge. If your itinerary has a layover, here are some tips. If there is a gender difference, meaning you are a male caregiver caring for a female care recipient or the other way around, check to see if the airport where the the layover happens has family restrooms. The majority of your larger airports do, but if you're flying through a smaller airport, that may be a challenge. The family restrooms remove the hassle of sending a person living with dementia into a restroom and praying that they eventually come out. Or if you need to use the restroom, you limit the chance that the person living with dementia wanders away in the five or less minutes it takes you to use the restroom. Here's another suggestion. Even if your loved one can walk, you may want to use wheelchair assistance, and this is a free service. When making your airline reservation, you can check the appropriate boxes if doing this online Or if you're not doing it online, you can tell the agent during the transaction. And for those of you who can hear meowing in the background, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Pippin the Cat. Pippin likes to go outside, and he was meowing to go outside, and I ignored him. So he came into the podcast studio, aka my, my office, 
and started fussing. So welcome Pippin to the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast. And since I have to go let Pippin out, I'm going to pause for a short break and I'll be right back. talk about the security line. I have to be brutally honest. I am not a fan of TSA agents. I fly out of Birmingham, Alabama, and I will say the TSA agents are pretty decent. The ones I've encountered in Philly International, Miami International, and LaGuardia have frankly acted like jerks. There are times I just cringe when I, when I see instances of TSA agents being insensitive, impatient, and even angry towards families with young children and older adults requiring assistance. Therefore, be ready for the security experience. Familiarize yourself with current TSA guidelines about fluids and clothing removal before your day of travel. If you're going to be traveling during high volume times, I know that the recommendation is to get to the airport two hours ahead. You may want to get there even earlier because the amount of time that will be spent in the TSA line. You also may want to see if if you have TSA pre-check status, check to see if that status covers a dependent adult. I have had the experience where I have booked flights for my adult children simply because it was easier for me to do it all at once and then have them pay me back. And my TSA pre-check status appeared on their tickets. Don't know why or how it was magic, but it did. I know older adults are not supposed to have to take off their shoes going through security, but if you are caring for someone with earlier onset dementia, they may, because they are younger and appear younger, TSA agents may insist on shoe removal. So if you know they're going to have to get their shoes removed, you may want to prepare for that. Perhaps have shoes that are much easier to slip on and off, but they still can walk in, in them. Or if you are using the wheelchair assist, they may get to keep their shoes on. However, even if you have to remove their shoes, they're already seated. Also, please make sure you follow the current guidelines for fluids and have these items in the appropriately sized plastic bag. Where I'm going with this is you want to have as few hiccups in the security line as possible because my personal nightmare if I'm uh, traveling with someone who needs my help is that we get separated. I get patted down or they get pulled out of line for a reason, which is why the wheelchair assist is a beautiful thing because they're not going to necessarily separate you if you're pushing someone in a wheelchair or, or you're getting help with someone from the airport pushing your loved one. 
And this is where business cards can be a good idea. And I'm going to dive deeper in that area as well. But the TSA agents trying to get you through security may not pause to accept your card. So if for some reason you and your loved one have the potential to be separated, you get selected for a pat down or your loved one is pulled out of the security line, be ready with your script, which is my family member needs my help. He or she cannot be left alone. At that point, you can have your business card ready to hand to the agent but I don't know if the agent will be gracious and accept it or if they think there could be something on it and they won't. But people always ask, what should I have on the business card? And I recommend something along the lines of my family member or my companion or my loved one has dementia and has problems following directions. Please let me handle it. Thank you for your patience. These business cards will also come in handy when you board the plane. You can discreetly hand a card to one of the flight attendants as you both board. And speaking of boarding, try to pre-board. You may want to also choose seats when you're uh, getting your flight reservations. Some airlines allow you to choose seats. You may want to choose seats so that you are between the aisle and your loved one. This way, if they are getting up or if they're a little bit anxious, you can block them in. You may also want to choose seats as close to the restrooms as possible. And I'm going to get in that in a second because people always ask, well, should I be in the front of the plane or the back? But before I go to that topic, if printing out business cards is not realistic for whatever reason, you can always go old school and have index cards handy with your message already printed on them. So let's get to the question about seating. Is it better to sit near the front or the back of the plane? If on a direct flight, you may opt to sit closer to the back of the plane. This way, if your loved one starts to exhibit any behaviors, you are not on display for the entire plane. If you have to make a connection, a lot of times it's better to be near the front so you're one of the first people off. On the other hand, if you have requested wheelchair assistance, you may have to wait anyway for the wheelchair to arrive, so at that point it doesn't really matter where you're sitting. Another good idea is around the topic of supplies. I'm a firm believer in preparing for the worst, but anticipating the best. Therefore, your carry-on bag should contain medications because it's never a good idea to pack them in the suitcase anyway because the suitcase has a habit of winding up in a different location. Also, have snacks, and not just snacks for your loved one. Make sure you have snacks for you too. Have your loved one's favorite activities in there, whatever those activities are, word search, uh, a puzzle, playing cards, coloring book, whatever it is that your loved one will like and may be interested in. It's also not a bad idea to have a change of underwear and clothing in case of an accident. And 
a kitchen trash bag for soiled clothing. Here's a tip. You can buy some kitchen trash bags that are scented with lavender. I found some trash bags that had a mint scent. It was meant to repel insects. And that mint scent was pretty strong. So that may be an option too. So the odor from the trash bag or the scent from the trash bag can help camouflage any embarrassing odors. You may also want to have a light throw in case the cabin is chilly. Another idea is a full-size microfiber towel because microfiber will fold up and squish very nice and neatly, but the fleece, if you're going to bring a fleece blanket, a lot of those fleece blankets take up a lot of room. So just some options, but it's always a good idea to have something available to keep your loved one warm. Baby wipes are a smart thing to have, as well as a tablet with favorite movies and music already loaded. And headphones, and always check to make sure they work with your device before you travel. It's also a good idea to have a bank charger for your cell phone. And some of these bank chargers will also charge tablets and other small electronic devices. If your headphones <clears throat> require batteries, make sure you have batteries. And as for headphones, I tend to prefer the earmuff headphones because they block out sounds and are less likely to get knocked out or taken out and lost like the Bluetooth earbuds. Yes, Bluetooth earbuds are a beautiful thing, but those suckers have a tendency to get knocked out of the ear or your loved one takes them out and then heaven knows where they wind up. Ultimately, though, you use what your loved one likes and prefers. So you've made it through your flight, you're at the airport. If you use the wheelchair service and it does, it usually does not extend to the parking deck or lot, it may be a good idea to perhaps already have arranged for someone to pick you up or to have reserved a driving service. And I, and I mentioned that instead of Uber, because once you are out of the airport, an Uber or a cab may not be readily available and it may take a while. And I do realize that car services are expensive. So perhaps there's someone who can meet you at the airport so that you can leave the baggage claim or just leave the airport and get into a car. And Again, I offer this information as just for some ideas to think about if you need to transport someone under less than ideal conditions. I hope that today's podcast contained some good information that you found helpful. And if the email reader is, or excuse me, if the email sender is listening, I really hope I, I answered your question. Thank you so much for allowing me to share some time with you together as we make dementia our bitch. And don't go away just yet. I want to remind every, 
buddy, that there's only a few days left for the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast challenge. I will have information in the show notes. The podcast challenge is really simply, can't talk tonight, really simple. Please rate and review my podcast on your favorite platform. Some platforms only allow you to rate. Like you have to uh, click all the stars. Some allow you to actually write something. Please, if, if your platform doesn't allow you to give a review, it only allows you to rate, that's cool. Whatever you do, rate, review, please send a screenshot to me at the email listed below. And, and next Sunday's podcast, I will announce three lucky winners who will receive a free and autographed copy of my book, Make Dementia Your Bitch. So only a few days left. I can't wait to see the screenshots. And most importantly, I can't wait to announce the winners. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so other dementia caregivers can find this podcast. If you are a caregiver for someone with dementia and need help understanding and dealing with these behaviors, please contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Make Dementia Your Bee, or email me, info at makedementiayourbitch.com.